You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Our study of the story which we are in. And it begins this way. It says, this is your story and this is my story. But most of all, this is the greatest story ever told. This is God's story. And today, as we look at God's story, what we are seeing is what we were calling the upper story. And the upper story is what God is doing in heaven. The upper story is what God's plans are as he oversees what happens in what we call the lower story. And the lower story is what's happening right here, right now. The lower story is what's happening in this room at 218 West Jans Road, just as it was happening in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came down upon the people and they began to receive the gift that God had given to them. And God was going to work in this church, and this is what we are going to see today, that Jesus is preparing his people to receive from heaven the spirit of the upper story that's now going to come down into the lower story into their lives. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is living on earth for 40 more days after the resurrection before he's going to be taken back up to heaven. But during that time, he is teaching his disciples. And they're so excited, as we learned last week. They're excited because they know Jesus now is indeed the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And he has the power over all life. And so they ask him this question that was at the end of that, the reading of the scriptures on the video. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And what they thought was, Lord, you've shown you have power over death. You've shown you have all this great power to rise from the dead. Now, Lord, now are you going to defeat our enemies? Now are you going to bring the kingdom of God to earth? They still didn't understand. They still expected Jesus to create an earthly kingdom. They wanted the tyranny of Rome to be overthrown. They thought that that's what Jesus meant by his kingdom. But Jesus had another meaning for that. And Jesus didn't ignore their question, but he answered it in a different way. They said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Are you going to set up this political kingdom here so that we are in charge? But Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So it's not for you to know about that. But this is what's really important, Jesus is saying. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying that my kingdom on earth is not about political rule, but rather what it is, it's a rule within your heart. I'm going to come and live inside your life. I am going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit, and in this there's going to be a movement of God in the world so that you are going to take this message by the power that I'm going to give you through the Holy Spirit to go throughout the world, to do the work that I've called you to do. To do what? To be my witnesses. Can you say those three words with me? Be 
my witnesses. Now let's say them really slowly, one word at a time. Be my witnesses. What do you think of when you hear those three words? What do you feel when you hear those three words? Maybe you feel a little sense of discomfort or fear because you think that God, what God's called you to do is go to somebody whom you don't know and bring out a little booklet and talk to them about not going to hell and talk to them about going to heaven. You're thinking about doing witnessing, doing witnessing. But Jesus doesn't say, I'm sending you out to do witnessing. Jesus says, I'm sending you out to be witnesses to be a witness. It's about our personhood. It's about our personality. We ourselves are the witnesses. It's our lives that's going to make a difference. It's our lives telling about what God has done. See, the disciples, they keep wanting Jesus to overcome the bad things of this world. What Jesus is saying is that's going to happen as you are my witnesses, bringing my love into our, just as Sam was sharing testimony, that as the witness of Christ has been in these places where there was drugs, those who were overcome by drugs now are walking with the Lord. Because people were there by being loving to them, by being caring, and by being the people that God wants them to be. To be a witness is through our lives. Jesus calls us to do that, but he doesn't ask us to do it by our own power. We are not to be witnesses simply by our own strength, but rather by what God will give to us through his Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. On this day, the day of Pentecost, Pentecost, Pente means 50, and it was 50 days past um, pe Passover. That's when Pentecost was celebrated by the Jews. Now, on that day, there came a violent wind. And this wind was a representation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you remember when there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, and he came to see Jesus at night. And Jesus told him, you have to be born again, and he didn't understand. And Jesus says, well, you don't see the wind, but you see what the wind can do. You see the effects of the wind. And this is what's happening here. You see the effects of the Holy Spirit. Though you cannot see the person of the Holy Spirit, but you can also see fire. And fire was always representative in the Old Testament of God's presence. There was the fire in the burning bush that Moses came to. There was fire on Mount Sinai when God came down and met with Moses. And then there was always to be a fire inside the temple at the altar, never to be extinguished. Because the fire represented the presence of God's purity, the presence of God's holiness to cleanse. And it was through this presence that now the disciples and all those who follow Jesus, you and me as well, would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that now we can be witnesses. What does it look like 
to be a witness? What does it look like to be the person that God made us to be? Well, our main scriptures for today are Acts 2, 42 through 47. So would you stand with me? And let's read this. Let's stand in honor of God and of his word. And let's read these verses together. Let's begin. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, before you sit down, just notice the last sentence. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because they had been witnesses. And so what we want to see is what is it hap- what's happening in our lives through the Spirit so we can be witnesses. Okay, please be seated. Well, the first thing that we see, if we look at it here, is this is a circle that represents our lives around the cross of Christ. What we just read is that there were four main elements, and we're going to look at those four elements, of what it was that the Holy Spirit did so that they could be his disciples, so they could be his witnesses. And the first one at the very top, and if it's a cross, this represents the vertical relationship we have with God. First of all, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So by reading God's word, we have relationship with him. Secondly, it says, and they had fellowship with one another, and in that fellowship, they broke bread. So this was on the horizontal arm, is that they had fellowship with each other. They had fellowship in the church. And then thirdly, they prayed together. So here, as a corporate body, they also had a vertical relationship with God. Prayer is that connection with God vertically, between his people and with him. And then fourthly, we see that the Lord added many who were saved. They added more to their numbers. Christians were reached, Christians had reached out. There was outreach. There was witness. There was evangelism. And again, that's on the horizontal arm. And so we have the vertical arms of prayer and of God's word and the horizontal of fellowship and of witness. And so we want to look at this, and we want to see that the very first thing that God has for these disciples as they learn to be witnesses is to know God's Word. If you look, open up your Bibles or you look again at verse 42, the Bible says they devoted themselves. And when we see they devoted themselves, we actually see that they devoted themselves to all four of these elements of being a disciple of Jesus. And the first is they devoted themselves to the teaching of God's word. And devoted means to be continually steadfast and to persevere and to be diligent. And when they did that, they were teaching one another. It wasn't just head knowledge about the word of God, but it was life-giving and life-changing truth. Now, when you think of church, when you think of what it means to come and to learn God's word, what do you think of? I want, to, I want us to think of some images today of what a lot of times what we think about church. And I think this first image is a lot of what we think about church. In fact, unfortunately, it's sort of the way it is here right now, too. We think, we think of it as a performance 
or we think about it as like a theater, uh, we, like we're watching a movie, like it's entertainment, and, or it's going to a Broadway show. And we think about that's what, how I learn God's Word. Somebody lectures to me. But that wasn't what the early disciples were doing. The Bible tells us that just before, uh, just before this part where the, they got together and this, the apostles were sharing the Word of God together, it says that Peter preached a sermon that day. And in the power of the Spirit, Peter preached a powerful sermon. And it says that 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. Well, they didn't form a megachurch. They didn't form a megachurch. What it was in those days is they had house churches. And so each of these house churches would be about 30 people. So on that day, about 100 churches were birthed. And so they would study the Word of God together. And so the picture that we really ought to see about a church studying the Word of God or the apostles' teaching is in small groups. It's being in a place where there is opportunity to collaborate together, to cooperate together, to study the Word of God. Everybody was participating. Everybody got a chance to ask questions or to share or to read God's Word. It was in a smaller group where this happened. Um, In a couple weeks, I'm going to go on a pastor's retreat, a personal retreat. And so I called uh, the retreat center. I was talking to the receptionist, and she says, I just need to know the name of your church and a little information about it. And so she says, what's the name of your church? And so I said, Chinese Christian Church of Thousand Oaks. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Did you say tiny Christian church? (laughs) And she said, oh, I'm sorry, the, the air conditioner is on. And I said, no, Chinese Christian Church. But then I laughed with her, and I said, you know, that actually wouldn't be a bad name of a church, the tiny Christian church. Now, wouldn't that attract attention? See, in our world, what we want is the big Christian church, right? We want the mega Christian church. But where they were learning here in the scriptures, in this first church, was in tiny Christian churches. Like Sam was saying in Japan, 30 people is a lot of people. This is what God would have for us to do. Now, if you look on the back of your bulletin, and you can look in there now, you'll see all the different community groups, fellowship groups that we have. I think I could safely say that each one of us should be in at least one of them. And attending. You could say, well, I go, I'm in one, but you never attend. That doesn't count. But attending to one of them. You can study God's Word in any one of these community groups. We're going to talk about prayer in a little bit. Our, our Bible study class on Sunday mornings, 9.30 in room 9, is on prayer right now. It's a tiny Christian group. And you can get together with us to learn more about prayer. On Wednesday night, we have a prayer group, a prayer fellowship. It is a tiny prayer fellowship. But God meets us there and we pray. And you, when you go home, you are to study the Word of God yourself. A few weeks ago, I asked you how many of you were keeping up with reading the story. And and a few hands went up, maybe about 10%. But then I said, how about would all of you, would all of you commit to reading the rest of the story, the New Testament, each week? And most hands went up. I'm not going to ask you now if you've been doing it, but I am going to ask you this. Will you read the story, chapter 29, this coming week. We're in chapter 28 today. 
Would you read chapter 29 this week? You could, parents, you could just read it out loud like it was being read there in the video. A portion of it every meal with your children. And you'll get through it easily in a week. To read the Word of God. To know the Word of God. This was the power of witness that was happening in the life of these early believers. Well, the second thing is that they were sharing in fellowship and in that fellowship, they were also sharing in the Lord's Supper or communion. And we see that in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And all the believers in verse 44 were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. This type of fellowship, the word is koinonia. Maybe you've heard that word before. It means having in common. And it means that they voluntarily shared things in common. They talked to each other. They knew each other's needs. They shared with each other's needs. And again, I want you to think about what church is really like. What image is church really like to you? What, what is, when you think about church, you know, what do you think of? Well, I, want to, I hope you don't think about this. An elevator. Because I think that too often, maybe, really, that's the image of church. Like, you know, we are, we're all going up, okay? We're going to heaven. We're God's family. We're all going up, but no one is talking to each other, just like in this picture here. They don't know each other. They can't share with each other because they're not facing each other. And again, this is where the community groups are so important. We get to know each other because this is the right picture of what God wants in a fellowship, in a koinonia. It is a family eating together, sharing together. It is a family that we see that they had their hearts open to one another. They had their hands ready to serve one another. And their homes were places that they went to to eat together. But not only did they share meals, they also shared in the Lord's Supper they shared in the breaking of bread. And they got to know one another in such a way that they would be able to have glad and sincere hearts. And in breaking the bread together, as we see in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That word means communion or the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves, they dedicated themselves to breaking the Lord's Supper together to eating of the bread, and to drinking of the wine. And then it says in verse 46, how often did they do it? Like, we do it once a month. But they did it every day. Every day. Every day, verse 46, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want to enjoy the favor of one another? Don't we want to enjoy each other? I mean, I want you just... Go ahead and stand up right now, all right? And I want you just to look across the aisle, okay? Look across the aisle at each other. How... how do you know all these people? Do you know them all by name? Do you know every person there? You can wave to them, right? Okay, you can wave to them. My guess is that you don't know, we don't know everybody's name. It's like the elevator. We're all going up, but we don't talk and we don't share together. Okay? 
but we should. Okay, so at the end of today's service, after the benediction, I'm just going to invite you to go across and, and talk to each other and shake hands, to at least get to know each other so we can share together. You may be seated. Thank you. And so this is what the disciples, the early church was doing. This is how they were being a witness. This wasn't just about doing witnessing and going out and sharing the four laws or the bridge or, or being really scared. They loved each other. And when people saw how they loved each other, they knew they were disciples. When the people saw how they loved each other, they go, man, you know, I wouldn't mind being a part of that. And most likely they were inviting their unsaved neighbors into their house churches to get to know them, to share with them, and to be together. And they were always remembering daily the center of our faith, which is Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. And so they were being witnesses by sharing in meals, but also sharing in the Lord's Supper. Thirdly, they were praying together. Again, verse 42, they devoted themselves to prayer. How often do you pray? And what do you pray about? What do you, what do you ask God for? Or what do you talk to God about when you pray? And if you had an image of what prayer would be, what would that be? Maybe it would be like this. A vending machine, right? You know, it's like, oh, there's a lot of things there. Maybe 50 different 75 items. You just have to push the right numbers, right? So you, your prayer is you drop in the money, okay? And then you got to say the right word. So you say, dear God, you know, in Jesus' name. So you push it like, hey, I want, I want a new house, one, two, and hopefully it comes down, right? You say, oh, well, you know, I'm sick. I need, I need God to heal me. Oh, wait, that's B33. So I drop in my prayer, push B33, and you expect it to come out. And this is my own way of praying, too. And this is something that I need to work on because I expect God to give me what I want right away. I expect God to just sort of answer like a vending machine. And do what I want at my will, my way, my timing. But God has his own timing. And what God wants us to do is to pray together. To continue to share together. I mean, if you got your prayer request every time, you wouldn't get together to pray. Right? You would just pray on your own and you get what you want. But when you come together and you don't yet have your prayer request, you share with each other. You endure with each other. You encourage each other. And so this is a better picture of what prayer is. Of people getting together. Of one heart and of one mind. And thinking about others. And again, remember, we cannot do this on our own power. Would you read this verse with me? Verse, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Let's say it together. In the same way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And sometimes people ask me to pray for them because they think that somehow I have a better pipeline to God than they do. Now, you know, pastor, would you pray for me for this? And, and somehow you just think, like, well, you know, the pastor, he must, his prayers must be answered. 
No, it's everybody's prayers the same way. But imagine this. There is someone whose prayers are always answered, who's praying for you right now, and who you can pray with, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is praying for you and me right now. Maybe what the Holy Spirit is praying for us is like, God, Heavenly Father, I pray that they'll pray, right? God, I pray that they'll pray, or I pray that they'll read the Word of God, or I pray that they won't live life in an elevator, or I pray that they won't see life as when they come to church as like going to a movie, but rather they would be involved in the Word of God. They would learn from the Word of God. They would be fed by the Word of God. They would love to pray together and care for each other. They would rather pray for other people than for themselves. One of the most powerful prayers I ever experienced in my life that was for me was from a lady, a mother named Catherine. This was many years ago. I was in seminary, and I was working on a, a, a ministry that was helping to bring the boat people to the United States, and our church was sponsoring two families, one from Vietnam and one from Cambodia. And I was working with these two ladies, Ethel and Catherine. And during that time, Catherine's 11-year-old daughter, their only child, was very sick. She got really sick. She had epilepsy. And something happened where she reacted violently to the medications that they were giving to her. And sadly, she died because of that. We were in shock. I was actually going to seminary at that time with her husband as well. So we knew each other very well. And she was a friend of our church. And so a number of us from church went to her house the night. Now, always remember, it's December 21st, 1980. That's like one of those days that you just always remember in your head because it was so impactful in my life. We were grieving with her. And so we went over to her house that night, and there's nothing we could really say, but we just showed our love by being there. When it was all over, we all sort of went out in a line, and it was my turn. I came up to Catherine, and I hugged her. And when I was hugging her, she whispered in my ear, and she said, Curtis, Ethel and I have been praying for you. We meet every week, and I've been praying for you that God will bring a godly woman into your life. At that time, I was single, and I too had been praying that God would bring a woman into my life. But little did I expect, nor did I ever, would I ever have expected that at that moment, God would speak to me through this woman who was grieving the loss of her 11-year-old daughter, whose life was so dedicated to prayer and caring about other people, that she said to me, Curtis, Ethel and I are praying for you every week because we don't want you to be single anymore. Yeah, you're getting old. you got to find somebody. And I thought, my, if God let her pray for me at that time, I ought to step up my looking because it must be out there. And three months later, I met Carol, April 23rd, 1981. God blessed me through the prayers of this unselfish woman. And this is what it's like to pray in a family and to pray for others, and to care about them. And that's what these disciples were doing. And in that then, they were witnesses of God's love. They were witnesses of Jesus' life. 
The Bible says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Would you like to be part of a tiny church that read the Word of God and was excited about what it taught? Would you want to be part of a church that was willing to take its shirt literally off its back and give it to you? Help you out whenever you had need. That always reminded you daily of the love that God has for you is so deep. It's so real. It's so wide that he gave his only son to die for you. And you remember that by taking of communion. Would you want to be part of a tiny church that was praying for each other and caring about each other and bringing up requests to God? And then that tiny church, therefore, was seeing people come to Jesus, not because they were doing witnessing, but because they were being witnesses. Of course, they used their words. Of course, they used their words. And so must we. But too oftentimes, I think this is the picture of what we have of church. It's sort of a gas station, right? And you want to find the the, the cheapest gas station, like that's me, and, and, but at the same time, you still want to, you know, you don't want a long line, you want to get in and out, you don't want to talk to anybody, and now you don't have to because you just sort of put your credit card in the machine, put the gas in, and you go off on your way. I think sometimes that's what we think about church. I need the best gas station. I need to go someplace. I really, really like the way the teacher is. I really like the programs because I need to be filled up. I need to be filled up. And I only need to go once a week. Yeah, so I fill up my car about once a week, and so um, and recently, you know, we got a hybrid, so now I only fill up once every two weeks, and and so maybe you're like a hybrid Christian, you only I only have to go to church about once every two weeks, right? or maybe once a month. Maybe you got an electric car and you never have to go, right? But that's not the picture. That's not the picture of of what God says for us about what church is all about. See, we are to be witnesses. And a much better picture of what God wants us to be is the lighthouse. Because as we live our lives and we are being witnesses, people will come to know Jesus. Catherine, Ethel, and I and others were part of this ministry. Our hope and our prayer was that when we brought these people over our church, from Vietnam and from Cambodia, that we would be witnesses to them. The, the daughter, the oldest daughter in the Vietnamese family, when she came over, she was the one who knew the most English and we could talk to her. And, and she would ask us questions. But one of the questions she wondered about is, why are you doing this? Why would you do this? And more and more we could tell her it's because we love Jesus. Because we were obeying what God's word says to care for others who are in need. And it was through that continual witnesses of just what we were by bringing food to them. By taking them to doctor's visits. By taking them to the, uh, the government agencies where they would sign up to get their, their benefits. By helping them to become part of our culture. By helping them to learn English. By helping them to sign up for schools. By th all these things. They learned of the love of Christ. When Catherine's daughter, Katie, died, I remember that they could not understand how Catherine and her husband, Ted, could be at so much peace and even have joy. And it was because they were being witnesses of the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. And Zaichan, this oldest daughter, she was the first to come to know Jesus because of the witness of all of us 
who shared Christ's love together with her. And recently, this past year, Sandy, Uncle Sandy asked me to go and witness to one of our winter shelter guests. And so we went over to the McDonald's and we witnessed to him. But he'd been coming to this homeless shelter for, I guess, a couple years. But his health was really bad and he had heart problems and he, he thought he could die any day. And I said, we're like, come on, you, you got to turn your heart over to Jesus. Not your physical heart, your, your spiritual heart. He goes, I don't know about that. He goes, I, you know, I'm not sure. And so we said, come on, you're so close. He goes, yeah, I'm really, really close. I just got to think about it. And one of the Sandy and I are like, well, you know, don't think too long. You know, you really want to say this. You might die, you know, so don't think too long. Um, but he said, no, I got to think about it. Uh, well, he stayed alive, praise God. And he, and he was there at Thursday night dinner one night. And he called me over and he said, Curtis, Curtis, guess what? He said, I, I received Jesus. I received Jesus. And he did it over at uh, Calvary Westlake Church. Because it was on Wednesday night, I think, or Tuesday night they meet over there. And two ladies had been sharing the gospel with him there, just as Sandy and I had been sharing the gospel with him here. And it's through the caring of the love of Christ to those who are in need that we see the word of God going out. We are being witnesses. It's so much easier to do witnessing when you know the person and you've been sharing life with them. And so God is calling us into this type of life, a life of new beginnings, a life of commitment, a life of sharing, a life in the Word. And so these are our challenges. And this is what God has for you and for me. To know His Word. To fellowship with one another. To be centered on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, His blood and His body. To pray together and to witness Jesus' love to others. This is what you can do. This is what I can do. This is what we can do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. A love that leads us to be missionaries around the world and the love that leads us to be missionaries right here at home to our friends and to our family, to our neighbors, to our fellow students, to our roommates, to our co-workers. And so, Father, we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that just as you came down to that first group of disciples in a violent wind and a mighty fire. So Lord, I pray that you would do the same here in the midst of us in this tiny Christian church. That you would come and visit us with your power and your spirit. And that you would move us by the power of your wind. And that you would inflame us with love for you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we would love you with all of our hearts, all of our soul all of our minds and all of our strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. This is what we ask for, Lord, according to your word. In Jesus' name.